0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter, looking at a psalm today, looking at Psalm 47. And uh, we've seen a couple of these here in in the 40s, these uh, psalms of these sons of Korah. Um, They have a little bit of a different feel compared to some of the other psalms. Uh, This one is, uh, yeah, I mean, kind of in the same line as the other ones we've looked at, but it is just a particularly short and sweet one here, just nine verses. Um, I mean, a lot of uses of the word God, and uh, just because of the way it is so succinct, the language of Psalm 47 just seems to pop up everywhere. It's just very quotable. Uh, I think that's probably why I ended up in so many of our different components of the liturgy and and hymns and so forth. So cool stuff today that we're looking at, Psalm 47. We're joined today by our guest, Pastor Dustin Beck, pastor at Holy Cross in Warda, Texas. Good morning, brother. Good to have you back with us. How are you guys doing there in Warda?
1: We're doing pretty well, Pastor Espinosa, and thanks for having me back. Uh, Yeah, things are going okay here. You know, we've been uh, been very blessed, very fortunate that— You know, a lot of the pandemic uh, hasn't really hit uh, as far as like right in our backyard. Um, We've we've been spared from a lot of that. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, We've actually been able to be back in uh, in in-person worship in our sanctuary since the end of May, uh, which is just a tremendous blessing. You know, we're still uh, keeping our distance and a lot of folks are still wearing masks and everything like that, which is probably good, we think. Probably yeah. good, uh, but <laughs> yeah. but things it's, are you know yeah. things are going along. So um, it's good to be back uh, together and still trying to reach out to folks that uh, we haven't seen in some time uh, to keep active with them. Um, it's just been an yeah. interesting, interesting season of ministry, as you can well. Oh yeah, sure. it sure
0: has. It sure has. Um, yeah. yeah, interesting. <laughs> it's like just kind of the. The, the short way of putting it right. I should probably just come out and say then, um, this is actually pre-recorded, uh, and we always have that little notice that goes, but this was pre-recorded actually way back in July, late July of 2020, right? So I have no idea what kind of time capsule this <laughs> episode is going to turn out to be, you know, who's who's going to be the president, uh, if, if COVID's actually even going to be the virus that... Uh, is actually afflicting everyone. I, I have no idea, but we'll we'll or just see new because... and
1: exciting things come up. You know, in the meantime,
0: <laughs> that's right, that's right. But yeah. uh, but you know, it's uh, the, this. The nice thing about the psalms is that they're just so timeless. And uh, this psalm too. I mean, it is. I, I mean, it really isn't like such a. It, it's not one that's like kind of like specifically or kind of easily discernible. Um, in terms of what kind of occasion it might be talking about. It just seems like kind of one of these, yeah, very kind of timeless, kind of always applicable sorts of psalms.
1: Right, right. Just general exaltation of God.
0: Yeah. It's generally not I'm a bad for. thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Uh, I, you know, honestly, I first um, really fell in love with this psalm um, when I was in seminary, singing in the, in the seminary chorus there, and... Um, this was uh, always the psalm that would come up for uh, the day of Ascension. And um, oh, okay, you know, yeah. growing up, we had never, um, I don't think I had ever been to an Ascension Day service, right. uh, maybe once or twice in college. But then uh, at seminary, of course, Ascension is one of the the big feast days of the church. And mm-hmm. so we would always get together on that Thursday evening and the choir would always sing. And there was just this this beautiful, timeless rendition of Psalm 47, God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of the trumpet. And, uh, that's just, it always, I can't think of Psalm 47 without that tune just popping into my head and and thinking of being able to sing that and just the, um, the idea that this is, of course, this is written in, you know, in the old Testament era, uh, but it is so applicable to Christ and to, to the fact that he has all authority in heaven and on earth. Um, and the fact that in his ascension, um, he is actively, um, administering and actively making use of that authority, uh, for the good of his people. Um, It's just, it's such a blessed psalm, I love it.
0: Well, I think that that is actually, uh, I was saying it's kind of hard to discern what kind of occasion these psalms might have been prepared for, uh, what exactly uh, the the sons of Korah had in mind, but I, I think it's actually through our liturgical tradition that we kind of have some hints at what... Might be kind of going on, and I think that it's actually going to be very helpful to kind of read this with the backdrop of the ascension in mind. But right, uh, yeah. Without any further ado, though, let's let's uh, go ahead and read the psalm itself and let it speak for itself. Uh, as we get started, brother, would you say a prayer for us?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Let us pray. Thanks and praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, for your triumphant ascension into heaven by which we know that your work of redemption is finished and our place is prepared for us in which we shall be your friends forever. Draw our affections after you so that dying to the world, we may look to those things which are above. Grant the light of your gospel to those sitting in darkness and spread forth your kingdom to the remotest isles. Amen. Amen. That's from reading the Psalms with Luther from Concordia Publishing House.
0: Oh yeah, yeah no, like yeah no. There's there's so many cool prayers. Um, <laughs> I like it that that you have like from Luther, or uh, even going even further back with the the church fathers. It's it's, it's always I find it to be really helpful sometimes yeah. to just get somebody else's words and perspective just to kind of expand my own prayer vocabulary. Right, because like mm-hmm. I, I feel like sometimes when it's just me kind of coming up with something it's it's amazing how all of a sudden that turns into almost a rote memorized prayer. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. I've kind of like made my own <laughs> uh tradition and 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 so uh it it's actually really helpful sometimes and ironically kind of more uh, ironically freer to to almost pray in somebody yeah. else's words at times.
1: Because who knew that we would be going to John 14 uh that he has prepared a mansion for us, you know? Um, who knew that we were going there when we we're talking about John forty-seven or um, Psalm forty-seven? Excuse me. <laughs> That's
0: right. Uh,
1: yeah, what a great blessing.
0: Yeah. yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, let's go ahead and read this here. So, so this is uh, Psalm forty-seven here in the English Standard Version. We'll include the sub, uh, the superscript rather, uh, since it is part of the the text in uh, the Greek and the Hebrew. To the choir master, a Psalm of the Sons of Korah. Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. He subdued peoples before us, peoples under us, and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. Selah. God has gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of a trumpet, sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth, sing praises with a psalm. God reigns over the nations, God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the peoples gather as the people of the God of Abraham, for the shields of the earth belong to God, he is highly exalted. So, you know, very, you know, timeless uh, exaltation of of God. Uh, he is always reigning. He always has been reigning. He always will be reigning, like Alpha and Omega theme. Uh, but it is interesting how that that kingship idea is, is so pronounced here. And in, in terms of the language of the psalm, it is, It seems like it really would lend itself to um, an ascension celebration. Uh, Not with like the capital A, ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, ultimately, yes. But it seems like even in the Old Testament context, like this is the sort of thing that would have fit really well when, you know, Solomon took over for David or when Jeroboam took over or, you know, I mean, just going down the list, like whenever a new king would would, uh, go up like it said in verse 5, um, that this would be very appropriate. So perhaps there is something kind of more occasional than there is at first glance.
1: Right, yeah, and I think that uh, kind of the idea of you know a king's ascension uh, is uh, also to put him in his proper place, right? Yeah. Because what's, yeah. the, what's the temptation of every king? Uh, oh, to yeah. think that they are absolute, to think that yeah. their rule and their reign and their authority... Um, doesn't have any kind of, uh, I guess we could say, checks or balances, right? Um, but instead, the whole point of this psalm is to say that the Lord, Yahweh, is the king. He's the king yeah. over all nations, over all peoples, over everyone. Um, and so, yeah, this is, um, this is what's referred to um, by a, a lot of folks who categorize the psalms and things like that as an enthronement psalm. OK. Yep. And so this does have to do with taking the place of the throne. Uh, this is uh, you got forty seven and then ninety three and then um, ninety six through ninety nine are all in that same category. Uh, these Psalms that talk about um, going up to the uh, the higher place, going up and, uh, and you know, the, sitting on the throne. Um, and there's also, right. you know, the idea of of ascending um, is also is throughout the Bible. Uh, anytime that you go to Jerusalem, you don't just go to Jerusalem. Right, you right, go right. Up to Jerusalem, and any time yep. that you leave Jerusalem, you go down to Sodom and Gomorrah. You go down to Jericho. You go down to Galilee. You know, even though if you look at a map, you know, you're by our usual reckoning of putting north at the top of the map. Right. You go yeah. We can always have down that. to Galilee.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, we're all we're always looking at the globe in that direction. Right. Of course, you could look at the globe and. Any direction, all vantage yeah. points are are uh, just as valid in the vacuum of space, right? Uh, relativity stuff, right? But for right. but for us, uh, it, it very much feels like up up is north. Um, but but yeah, no, you're right. Like it it would have been a little bit more intuitive, uh, a little bit more according to you know. Y- I'll put it this way: you know, you, you really feel which way is up and down in terms of elevation when you're like on your bicycle, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> then you yeah. know, then you know without a doubt, right? But when you're in your car, it's like who knows, you know? I mean, like you just you just uh, kind of forget. But yeah, they wouldn't have forgotten, and and this is uh, why I think you have just from the you know, very beginning of the Psalter to the end, uh, which end with like the Psalms of Ascent, like, a very mm-hmm. Yeah. always a, awa- th- this great awareness of, of going up to Jerusalem, up to the temple, up to the palace, um, down elsewhere, especially to the sea, and um, I was I was reminded, you mentioned a couple of psalms uh, that are the kind of these royal ascension psalms, uh, also Psalm 2, um, oh, yeah. you know, just, I mean, it, just in terms of Uh, I mean, the kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against his anointed, and that language, you know, um, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Uh, I mean, there's a a bunch of them that that are like this, where, I mean, this one um, here, like you said, is like, in some ways, it's almost like the check to some of these Royal enthronement ascension Psalms, right? That, you know, and these other ones, like, you know, two, um, well, I mean, just the language, right? Like, you know, today I've begotten you, right? Like, whoa, the king is the, the son of God. Uh, you know, well, good, good, yes. Uh, but king might get a big head if that's the only thing that's said. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, but like you said, uh, it's just so interesting how God is the subject of everything here. Yeah. And in no spot is it uh, the, the king, like the earthly king, the human king. The, o- the only human kings and rulers that are mentioned are the ones um, in verse 9, where it's the, the princes of the peoples. So the, it's, it's just fascinating, because the king of Israel just really just fades into the background here, which right. I think makes this one kind of stand out among what might be classed as enthronement psalms.
1: Right, yeah, and I mean, this is—it's an Old Testament theme all through, um, that the Lord is the King of Israel, that He is the one who is, uh, and and He's the King of the whole, the whole cosmos, the whole creation as well. But very specifically, I mean, uh, my mind goes to, um, you know, to Judges. uh, My mind goes to uh, to the beginning of of First Samuel. You know, the whole idea is that man, these people, they they want a king, you know. Yeah. Uh, And the the great irony. Of, uh, of those two books is, is that they had one. They had one all along. They had somebody who, who went before them and who fought the battles for them and who led them and who gave them law and who, you know, watched over and was their protector. And I mean, isn't that the great irony of the entire scripture is that um, a God who created a people for himself um, is then rejected by those very people. Right. So, I mean, we got a lot of a lot of big themes going on that kind of circle around this Psalm 47 here. Uh, But this is in case you forget who your king is, you know, that that the earthly king, David or Solomon, as you mentioned, or Rehoboam or any of the others, you know, that they are just the regent. They're just the one that's standing here. um, Maybe we could say in the stead and by the command. Of God, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, but God is it, the buck stops with Him. He's the one who is actually the um, the the King, the Lord, the Master over all, not just of Israel, but over all peoples. So, yeah, this is this is a great Psalm for that as well.
0: Amen. Well, let's let's go ahead and and look at some of this stuff here um, yeah. in a little bit more detail now. So, going to the superscription. Um, it's yet another one of these psalms that you know says to the choir master, and you know we, we've we've talked about it a number of times as we've gone over. I mean, I, I think that just just in terms of me um, myself mm-hmm. with Die strong word, we've probably gone over something like thirty uh, some psalms or something like that, if I had to guess. So we, we've talked about it that you know maybe that's like the the tune, maybe it's kind of like you know, like the choir master's, like, you know, select edition or something, it's kind of like the ones right. that he picked out, or, I mean, who, there's a lot of things, could just be a liturgical term in terms of, I don't know, the, the choir master is going to, like, have some special role in how this thing gets directed, but um, wh- whatever the case is, uh, between that and the and the little uh, sila there after verse 4, right. it, it's definitely pointing to some kind of liturgical um, in regular use of the people of God uh, ceremonial kind of uh, you know communal action here so not, not just kind of a you know poetic thoughts that are that are kind of spilling from a, a poet's pen right like th- th- this is this is put in use on some level um, and yeah. and in particular it's it's one of these Psalms of the sons of Korah, which it's interesting to consider what the interest in this Korahite uh, might be in, in an enthronement psalm.
1: Right, right, Korah. Everybody remembers that <laughs> account from the Bible, right?
0: Well, it's kind of ironic, actually, when you mention it like that.
1: Yeah, Korah, uh, Numbers chapter 16, uh, when Korah rebels against Moses, yeah, and uh, and he is, uh, and, and his followers, and this is Korah, uh, by the way, is a... Uh, He's, I believe, the great grandson of Aaron. I think that's right.
0: Um, Don't quote no, me on that, but I think I, I think I, it's I, I, right. no, no, Something wasn't like I that. thought he was more like great grandfather, right? Because wasn't it like that that Moses and Aaron were. Like of of Korahite descent oh, okay. or something okay. like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So uh, uh, here it is in number sixteen. Korah was the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi. Yeah, so we're going back further. Okay. Yeah. And Dathan, Abiram. Okay. Yeah. So this is uh, um, folks that are Levites. Um, yeah. Relatives, they're kin. Yeah, that's right. That's right. no, no. no they're actually of of the, <laughs> of the
0: of the of the Korahites, the Gershomites, and the um. Now what's the one that's escaping me here? There's, uh, there's 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 the one other group, but of, of these three classes of Levites, um, it's it's the Korahites who are in fact most closely related to Moses, and okay. it's just kind of interesting. It's kind of ironic that you, you mentioned that connection because you know there there's there's a you know Korah and like the I mean I mean like you know the, the Korahites um, who are kind of you know, teaming up in some ways uh, with with some of the other kind of more rebellious factions and saying like hey what's going on like why are are we being left out kind of having this kind of you might almost say anti-monarchical kind of streak to them uh and, and you almost might wonder if that's what's going on here like if this is something like a like oh they they told me that i had to write an enthronement psalm well okay here's an enthronement psalm right and like if this is almost kind of like you were saying this kind of like subtle check like okay king like it's good you are the son of God. I'm not going to say anything disparaging against you here, but I'm also not really going to focus on you, just so right. we make sure that we remember who's in charge.
1: Yeah, and so it sounds like I mean the sons of Korah, the the ones that kind of followed in the train. Um, I guess they would be the one that uh, they would be the ones that would write this psalm, um, perhaps even in repentance for their uh, their oh. forefather Korah's rebellion. Um, that they would come back and they would say, listen. <laughs> here's how it's actually supposed to go um, is that the Lord uh, is, is God of all uh, God and King of all peoples. Maybe. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I hadn't, hadn't thought too much about that. Like, like a lot of folks, I think I, uh, I looked at the superscription and I said, yeah, Okay, I've read that before. Choirmaster, laity need not apply. You know that kind of a deal. <laughs> Sons of Korah, yeah, that's that happens about a dozen times in the Bible.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It, it's right. Yeah, no. So I mean, it is interesting making those connections and, and just thinking about how there are these particular. Right. Uh, the, I, I'm, there's bad blood. There's there's kind of these you know tendencies, right? Um, I I mean I, both ways, kind of like me. Kind of do like your suggestion though seeing this in repentance like saying like hey you know you know my my ancestor was like you know hey down with the king you know it's a democracy right and we know that that wasn't right uh, we know that that was going too far uh, but you know the way that I can 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 kind of like honor that legacy of my forefathers right uh, while still repenting from the bad aspects of it is to say hey um, I'm gonna honor the king I'm, I'm gonna support the king he is the king that God gave us but um, I am going to make sure to be emphasizing who, who is ultimately king. And so, I mean, that, that's just an interesting idea, really, just how I think all of us, when we look at our, our families and our, and our our own pasts, right? And there are, right. there are things that um, are not, are not pc anymore there are things uh that that have been canceled <laughs> you know and, and there's these different aspects of our families and our own histories uh, but but they're significant for us though and it wouldn't be right just to like write them out of history right. and so it, this would be an interesting example of how to how to honor that and acknowledge that while while not embracing the the sinful excess
1: yeah i think that uh clinging to the truth um rather than being in lockstep with your ancestors um, is is probably it's a way that you can be faithful to God um, you know and I think that I think that's what we see here. I don't know I could be wrong it happens
0: well, well I mean <laughs> I, I really like the suggestion it's not something that had occurred to me and um, I mean I mean certainly like the the suggestion is is profitable for for our own um, for our own situation our own selves at the very least yeah Um. But so, okay, so, so, so there's this, you know, this Korahite who, you know, would have been intimately involved with uh, the temple worship, um, mm. you know, that's seemingly why the Korahites were writing these psalms, among other things, and so here they are um, involved, presumably, with something going on with um, the an enthronement ceremony, and so what happens in verse 1, well, you mentioned kings, right, uh, clap your hands, all people shout to God with loud songs of joy. And it, what's interesting to me is how, you know, that by itself to us doesn't necessarily strike us as like, oh, yeah, they're definitely talking about an ascension ceremony. <laughs> uh, but mm. um, how, if you look at the allusions and, and the other places where these words are used, like, well, maybe it really is talking about our, our, some kind of royal ascension ceremony. Like, uh, the ESV is pretty helpful here. They got that footnote on verse one. And the first mm-hmm. note they, or the first uh, text they reference is Second Kings eleven twelve. Uh, they proclaimed him king and anointed him and they clapped their hands and said, "Long live the king." Um, so this idea of uh, you know clapping as like a part of like the acknowledgement, you know, of of, of the king after his anointing, or um, or, or just even with the, the shouting too. You, you see. Uh, it, it mentions on the, in the footnote First Samuel ten, uh, and all the people shouted, "Long live the king!" That those those actually might be pretty natural associations to make from an Israelite perspective.
1: Right. Yeah, and I think that this is uh, this is uh, this verse uh, serves as an invitation. Um, again, obviously, quite obviously, uh, to all peoples. Right. There's an invitation to praise, uh, and then in the next couple of verses, uh, we're going to. Kind of unpack. Here's why we're going to, uh, why we're going to shout with songs of joy and clap our hands at his, um, you could say inauguration or his, um, his ascendancy to the throne, right? So this serves as kind of a, um, well, yeah. a, a heading, and then we're going to have kind of the, the the body of the argument underneath. That makes sense.
0: Well, and that is, and that is like the uh, the other interesting feature of these first couple of verses too, right? It does start off immediately with all peoples, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that uses that term for God, Elohim, and that's consistent with what we've been seeing. Uh, this is Psalm Book Two, and as many have noted, the emphasis or the the kind of angle that you have cast on God in Book Two of the Psalms, uh, from Psalm forty-two right uh, onward. Is this kind of very universal perspective where it's not that the name Yahweh doesn't show up; it shows up in verse two. (laughs) But (laughs) I mean, it's uh, but notice it's Elohim first, and Elohim all like uh, almost every other time. Um, So, so that kind of way of looking at God as universal that that is that is kind of interesting in the context of you know Israel's king coming to the throne because that's actually a very big difference right off the bat in verse 1, right. that, hey, this guy's coming up and he's ascending over king over Israel, but God's actually king over all peoples, not just this one.
1: Well, and so it starts very broad, as you said, with shout to God, not specifically Yahweh the Lord, uh, but then it's going to get more specific in verses 2, 3, and 4. Right, it's going to go from that very general down to you notice uh, in the next couple of verses, it's going to be all about us, us, us. Right, it's going to be mm-hmm. all about right. Jacob. Where's all this stuff about you know all peoples uh, and all the earth? Yeah. All of a sudden, it's us, us, Jacob. Right, and so we're going to get very specific as to why uh, why we sing, why the people of God sing, um, and then in the second sort of stanza the second verse uh, i guess you could say of this this hymn you're going to get to the more uh the more general um in terms of uh the lord is uh king of all the earth or god is king of all the earth sing praises with a psalm he reigns over the nations etc so i don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that, that, that's right. Let, let's uh, let's not bite off more than we can chew. Uh, and speaking of that, let's let's actually take a break to digest what we've already got here. But everybody, Sounds hang good. on. We're looking at Psalm 47 here on Thy Strong Word. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor AJ Espinosa. We're looking at Psalm 47 today. Uh, what we were saying, you know, what maybe is actually a little less uh, general than might be supposed, maybe we're really talking about an enthronement. Well, but a very interesting take on that from these Korahites who have blessed us. Uh, by God's Spirit, with this psalm here. We're joined today by our guest, Pastor Dustin Beck, pastor at Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Warda, Texas. This is pre-recorded, so no questions, unfortunately. Uh, But I will, uh, whenever this does get uh, played, I will post this on Facebook. Feel free to go ahead and uh, post any questions or comments you might have there, facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa. Also, don't neglect to thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, Thank you guys for your support of Thy Strong Word, their website, lhfmissions.org. So we were just saying how, uh, in these couple of verses here that follow uh, what, what's kind of a very broad uh, ascension depiction in, in verse one, two, three, and 4 then gets more specific. Now we're talking about the specific name of the God of Israel um, that would not have been used by all the other peoples of the earth. Um, and and then you have even more specifically in verse 3, like you were saying, uh, God subduing the peoples and then choosing our heritage. Interesting phrase there um, in verse 4. But let's not miss the connection. All of that is a kind of elaboration or explanation on verse 1, clap right. your hands all peoples. And this is kind of the ironic thing we've seen before a couple times that you know hey they've been all these all these people have been subdued and and, and conquered right and they're supposed to be celebrating <laughs> it, rem- it reminds yeah. me of um I- i'm i'm really probably too much of a a fan of superhero movies but like uh, i I remember it, it was uh i think it was in, it was in one of the the avengers movies where like uh thanos's like guy comes out and they like they've just destroyed Um, the ship that everyone's on yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and he's like rejoice your salvation is at hand and it's like they're all just laying there like half dead or actually dead and it's sort of it it almost kind of has that feel where you're like rejoice oh you subdued nations I, i that's in it's interesting
1: right right so what and that's man that's a that's a lot to unpack. <laughs> uh, that's, <laughs> that's a that's a really good thought. Um, a, a really interesting take on it. Um, I, I and not to not to have a battle of analogies here because I, I don't want to <laughs> do that with the host of a show. Uh, but what I kinda, what I got in my mind's eye when I read through this, whenever I yeah. uh, I unpacked it a little bit, was that it's almost uh, it's it's as if you take a camera and you go from telephoto to wide angle. Yeah. You know, um, because we're going to start at a very wide angle and then we're going to zoom in, you know. And so from a very wide angle, God is the king over all, all peoples, all nations. Right. Even those that hate his name, even those that want nothing to do with him. He's over them. Right. And then we're going to zoom in and we're going to see his people. Right. Um, And that doesn't change the wide angle view of things. But that's going to show us kind of, I mean, almost under a microscope, this this line of history, um, this account of a man, right, um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right, um, yeah. this this singular bloodline uh, of, uh, and it, it, bloodline is such a such a poor way of, of speaking about it. This line of faith. Right. Mm -hmm. Because that's what's really being handed down from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob is the people who call upon Yahweh as the Lord. Right. And so you've got this this unpacking uh, as we zoom in and we see that God protects his people. He subdues all the other nations around them for the sake of his people, for the sake of the people that call upon him. How could he do that to all the other peoples? Well, the other peoples wanted nothing to do with him. The other peoples um, rejected him. They uh, they chose uh, the foolish idols of this world right? They, they broke the faith, and when you, when you say no to God enough, uh, eventually, you know, God's patience wears out, right, uh, for, the, for those who are on the outside. But for, uh, for those uh, who receive his word, for those who have received um, his heritage, you know, th- that calling uh, by faith, um, everything is good. He is king, and they get to rejoice in that. That's why they clap their hands Right, and so you have this this zoomed in microscopic view, and then we're going to zoom back out again afterwards to see how the good news of what God is and who God is for His people is good news for all people.
0: Yeah, that's that really there? interesting. I, I mean, <laughs> well, no, I mean, I think there's, I mean, I think there's there's something, of course, that. Um, that that's definitely, I, I think, lining up with, which is in particular, you know, th- you think about Joshua and the accounts there. I mean, some of those yeah. peoples in those cities were just, uh, you know, decimated to, to the ground, right? There wasn't anything right. left to be clapping hands, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, right? So, like, on that level, yeah, it does seem like there's kind of, like, these different perspectives where, yeah, well, you, you zoom, you know, way into, uh, you know, Jericho at, you know, five feet, Yeah. There's not a lot of, you know, clapping going on here. Um, but right. Like on the other hand, there is a kind of, um, literal way in which, because that small picture doesn't just stay a small picture, but because people go and they talk about it, that people actually do get brought in, as you said, and you used some interesting language. I feel like that kind of echoed, um, John chapter 1 that I think might be yeah. a fruitful comparison, but like thinking of, of Jericho, right, even, you know, you had Rahab and her household, it said, um, who, I mean, like they, they told the spies, hey, we, we've heard of your God, we heard what your God did to these other people um, over on the other side of the river, we know that your God is is the true God in all the earth. I mean, like Rahab's words are beautiful, like you could just, you could make a hymn out of it, I'm sure it's already happened. And and in that sense, that by God doing this subduing, uh, people realize, whoa, hang on a second, there there really is, in some ways, a real God, a God who's over all creation. Because before, we just thought that the gods were just kind of each in charge of a little uh, segment of everything, right, like in charge of fire or water or... The morning harvest sun, things like that. Yeah, the yeah. harvest, right? Or a god in charge of like Egypt, and a god in charge of uh, you know Babylon, and a, you know, so different areas. But I mean, th- th- it is good news to the to the peoples when they find that actually, hang on a second, there is a god who steamrolls over all the others. And like on the one hand, that's scary, but on the one on the other hand, it means there there is a real god who actually makes sense of all this thing. Uh, that is the natural world. There is, a, there is a God who actually has the power to save um, from any kind of threat or danger, and and people were joining themselves to Israel.
1: And I think maybe that's, maybe that's another helpful point to make, is that uh, to know this God by faith, or Old Testament language, to know him by fear, right? Which God do yeah. you fear? right? To know him by faith or by fear is to know eternal life. So the eternal part is something that I don't think is really promised by any of the other, or at least it's not delivered by any of the other gods. And so when we think about this from a, from a New Testament Christian perspective, um, yeah, I mean, all of the nations who call upon the Lord as God and King, um, yeah, they want to clap their hands, right? And to be sure, it's, it's not by and large, you know, whole nations, but I don't think it was ever even really the whole nation of Israel. Whenever there was an old Old Testament Israel, it was always sure. the faithful. It was always—I mean, could we use the word remnant? Right. It's always the the subset of Israel that is true Israel. It's always the subset yeah. of the nations, uh, like you mentioned Rahab. That was great, right? We haven't even gotten to verse five yet. The Lord <laughs> with the sound of a trumpet. Oh goodness, yeah, hey. but uh, yeah, here we go. Uh, but this this idea of you know, those who call upon uh, uh, Yahweh as Lord yeah, I mean, this is directed to them from every nation and tribe and, and tongue and and you right. know, some Revelation stuff in there.
0: <laughs> well, and, and and I think, again, too, well, I mean, Revelation stuff, and then, you know, again, John stuff, like what you were yeah. saying. Like, I, I, earlier you said, like, to, to those who did receive him or something like that, and I feel like that was like— Well, he came to uh, his own. In, he came to the ones yeah. that he had well, created, so, and they and rejected by And you were talking about bloodline, yeah. right? You mentioned—you mm-hmm. say, like, bloodline, ah, uh, that's not, like, maybe the best word, right? Like, so I feel like you were just kind of— so it was like you were just kind of preaching on this text here in John 1, 11 Oops. through thirteen. Oh, it's fine. It happens. I do it all the time. Occupation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Um, it's just sermons. They just happen sometimes. It's like you know, I, I put I put in uh, this text into the fire, and out came a sermon. Um, so and so in verse eleven, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And uh, I think that mostly I I hear these days those words taken as a description of the incarnation, but um, the more I've studied John, the more I'm pretty convinced that that's a reference to the Old Testament, uh, that this is uh, an explanation of what happens before verse 14, and then Uh, the word came flesh, you might say. That this is a description of basically saying, hey guys, lest you think, right, that God changed the rules, and the old rules were, you know, if your mom's Jewish, you're Jewish, and the new rules are, you gotta get baptized. No, the rules have always been the same. It's always been about faith. Israel was given the right to become children of God but it wasn't just being born of blood or uh, your Father's will, but it was ultimately always of God.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and, and so we could, we could uh, almost kind of read this Scripture in terms of God's visitations, right? I mean, from Him visiting Adam and Eve in the garden uh, in the yeah. cool of the day, uh, from the yeah. Lord showing up at Sinai, right? Um, uh, and then ultimately, like you said, in John 1.14, you get to the fact that um, the, the great visitation uh, is in the incarnation of Christ, yeah. So that's that's I, I like that point. That's good.
0: Well, it was your point, so. Uh, <laughs> no, no, but, I like the way that, but, you said it. that was good. But, but, what is what is
1: Salah mean? Did you figure that one out yet? With oh, oh,
0: it's it's just a. <laughs> no, I actually, I don't think anybody knows. I think if you look it up in no. in uh, like your standard kind of Hebrew. Aramaic lexicon, they're going to say, yeah. like, we don't really sure. exactly. <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean, it, it clearly just from the function means, like, and pause, or the other people join in, or re- repeat the, the refrain, or, I mean, it, it's some kind of, you know, liturgical, right. you know, signal, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, st- stand up and uh, clap your hands, maybe, yeah, who knows. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, so, then kind of reflecting on that idea that, you know, that this is truly, um a way that actually the gentiles are brought in um by by actually the particular action of the king right because the king is the yeah. one who who like Moses and like Joshua is leading God's people into battle um defeating their enemies and it's actually through that particular action of this king who whose job is to protect this one people that all these other people end up Benefiting and and the promise to Abraham ends up uh, coming true, and, and so you know that 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 pattern, as you were saying, yeah, it gets repeated throughout the scriptures and it gets um, fulfilled in the biggest way in the person of the Lord, uh, well, I mean, yeah, in, in the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so you you can read this, uh, I, I think, on a on an incarnation level. I, I think that's yeah. kind of a like joy to the world, right? Um, Earth receiver king, right? So yeah. there's a. There's a first coming kind of level, but especially with the second coming, uh, I, I think that you kind of get that with, as you were saying, verse five. You know, gone up with a shout, the Lord with a sound of a trumpet. Um, you know, you mentioned Revelation that this is the stuff where we we really, I think, as Christians, our minds start to go go forward and say, yeah, this is like what the angel said, and you know, at the beginning of Acts, you know, he's going to come down the same way you saw him go up.
1: Right. Right, and this is also, I mean, I, as you were talking just then, its uh, it also brought to my mind Philippians 2, right? Uh, yeah. That day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the praise and glory of God the Father. Like, that's yeah. thats right here in this, is that, you know, theres we have to read these psalms in their time, but we also have to read them um, in terms of eternity, which is to say that on the last day, um, <laughs> there will be a, a common confession that says... You know, God. You know, the Lord is God and King. Uh, Jesus is His Son. Uh, you know, and, and that's some will say it with great joy, and others will say it. Um, you know, they'll say it in, in their own in their own place of judgment. I guess, right?
0: Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, no. That that's a that's an really interesting reflection here. Just, I mean, because. I mean, because here the focus is just solely on on singing praises, right? I mean, and that's right. interesting because there are these other uh, ascension or royal psalms where there's kind of more of this, like, oh, the you know, the the nations are you know, why why do they roar? You know, why do they why do they laugh? Why do they scoff? But but here they're they're just singing praises, um, mm-hmm. which which is which is a, which is a little bit striking. I mean, I think on a certain level, on a certain level, this kind of reminds me of some of the stuff that C.S. Lewis wrote. That, that, yeah. I, I mean, I I do think that even people who have have no, I'll put it this way, they they don't they don't claim at all the the name or legacy of uh, the, the Christian God. They, they they do not like have any kind of. Uh, inclination to consider themselves anyway of the people of Israel or, or the rest of it, but I, I I think that no one really can deny that uh, that these you know fellow human beings they still you know have genuine feelings of gratitude at different points in their lives um, for the things mm-hmm. that are good in life. You know, I mean, I, I don't know what man on his wedding day doesn't doesn't look at his wife and and, and feel gratitude in his heart on some level just. And and feel that that he has been blessed, on on in, in some way, right? Even if they don't even acknowledge that there are you know any kinds of um, that there's anything to like any kind of supernatural or, or, or divinity that that you just kind of as a human being have that experience. And so I think C.S. Lewis kind of he was trying to make this point that you know if 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 anyone's ever had like a moment of gratitude, if anyone's ever kind of in their heart been inclined to worship or praise. Then, on a certain level, it has been to the true God. Not that it's like pleasing uh, to God, or it it counts as faith, or anything like this. But that He is the God of all, and just like what Luther says in the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer, you know, God, you know, He feeds the 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 righteous and the wicked, and Mm -hmm. God moves us to to thankfulness.
1: Right. Right. Um, Yeah. I I see that in this. I see that in this. That there's uh there is that idea of uh of thankfulness, uh that idea of of praise um in the midst of all circumstances, uh or, or some circumstances in the midst of all people. There, that's better. Um, it's funny you mentioned uh, a guy on his wedding day, and then uh verse four jumped up at me and I saw Jacob and I was like, Jacob and Leah. Hmm. Yeah, but anyways, <laughs> uh, that's another conversation. <laughs> well he rejoiced
0: on the wedding day. It was the day after that was that was right. problematic, right? But uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no uh yeah yeah no yeah well yeah good 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 connection but 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 yeah no so there there is this um yeah there there is this level that you know like all, all people are you know i I mean i i think that because of our sinful nature not nearly enough right but yeah. all people are on like at a, a certain level in life uh move to this this feeling of thankfulness or, or or just awe even maybe right that like that who doesn't, like, look at some of the greatness of the Creator order and just—you have awe, right? And, and you just have this moment where you're just—even uh, if you don't put it in these words, uh, your, your soul is saying, um, praise the one who did this. Praise the one who made this. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that, that there is a really good level here focusing on God as creator where you, you can just focus on on the praise aspect. Of course, you know, like you were saying, there there's going to be some on the last day who— acknowledge Christ as lord yeah i mean i think in, in some ways we, we would describe it like with, with tears or reluctantly right. uh, but but that doesn't negate doesn't negate the praise and and and, that, and i think that part of the reason is because of the the verb there that's used in verse 5 it struck me that after this kind of string of like stuff that god did um like it, like in verse like in verse uh, 3 you know he subdued the peoples Then in verse 4, you know, he chose our heritage. It's kind of like, here's stuff that he did on the resume, right? But then in verse 5, it's different. You know, he has gone up, and the Hebrew shifts to that. It's like, hey, something new is going on now. This is the the new state of affairs. This is, how we would put it, this is anno domini. This This is the year of the Lord. He reigns right now. Things have changed in light of the Incarnation and the Ascension.
1: And the whole psalm almost kind of—I uh, uh, would say, verse five is sort of the pinnacle of it. It's sort of the the centerpiece of it. Um, and then we're going to start the second ver- the second big stanza here: "Sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our King, sing praises," which is almost kind of reflective of verse one: "Clap your hands, all people! Shout to yeah. God with loud songs of joy." Um, so yeah, we'll we'll move on into that second stanza with the handful of minutes we've got left.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, we yeah, got a, yeah. We got a lot of
1: work in front of us.
0: Oh no! We'll make it. We'll make it. I think we're doing, we'll be okay. Uh, but yeah, so we so we're looking at these you know last uh, several verses, and as you were saying, you, you have um, it, it's a lot of refrain, uh, which I think really lends itself to the idea that there is uh, some kind of a maybe maybe antiphon going on here, right? That you can you can have like the first line be you know sing praises to God, sing praises, and then the second one sing praises to our King, sing praises, and so there's this um. Uh, it, it, it sounds actually more monotonous or repetitive when it's a single voice reading through it. When right. it's two voices, it would have, I think, sounded just uh, uh, right. It just would have felt right. And I, and I think that that is something that we, we don't want to forget, that we've kind of gotten a little bit you know, theological here. But, but this is, this is a, a liturgical kind of setting here. Um, and with this it kind of answer, this uh, call and repeat back, e- even in verse 8, God reigns over the nations, and then like, the, the, the crowd answers back, God sits on his holy throne. In some ways, that kind of prefigures the, at his second coming, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess, right? right? That, that There's the one voice that's the herald that says, here comes the king, and then everyone says, Hosanna, here's the king.
1: Right, and so that's what Israel, that's what Jacob's people— Uh, back in verses 2, 3, 4, that's what they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be the ones that, um, from which, you know, from them comes the Christ— right? And they're supposed to be um, a witness, um, a a nation of witnesses and priests for the sake of the Gentiles. And so now we get into that second section, right after God has gone up with a shout the Lord of the sound of a trumpet, now um, Israel has sung the praises of God uh, in the person of Christ, and now we have this idea that God is the king, not just of Jacob's people in Israel, but of the earth, uh, and he reigns over the nations, which is a word that doesn't just mean like you know, all of the different countries of the earth, but it means specifically the not-Israels. Yeah. <laughs> right? It means, yep. the, I mean, the goyim, the, 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 the Gentiles. God reigns over the Gentiles. God sits on his holy throne. So we have this idea, again, if we're thinking in terms of, of a telephoto or a wide-angle lens, we go very wide-angle here so that all of creation fits into the view, right? And now God uh, in Christ uh, is reigning over all I think that that's that's a beautiful way that you put it there of the the herald, the forebearer, the one who comes first, um, and then the king actually shows up, and now everyone gets to join in the praises, right?
0: Yeah, well, yeah, no, and it, it's uh, it, and there in, in uh, verse eight, verse nine in the Hebrew, it's another one of these perfect verb forms um, mm. where, where it's you know he reigns, and and that might be fine, but it, it, it's uh, it's analogous to the the has gone up, right? Like he has become king. Over right. all peoples, right? I mean, that, and that's kind of a little bit of the language of uh, Peter um, at Pentecost, right? Which, which is the heralding of the ascension, right? And what does he say? God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Christ and Lord. Um, he has he has made him this. He has become this. Um, not in the sense of like he he didn't have that title. Or, right. or kind of like have that that right uh, from the very beginning. Of course, he did, uh, but it was you know. Then in that moment, there's like the, the, the public reception of it and acknowledgement of it. And so, yeah, I think that kind of uh, that, that kind of sums it up. Then when you get into that final verse, um, the princes of the peoples gather, right? Uh, as the people. What is this? this is the princes blowing, of the right? people. I know the princes of the peoples, like you just said. So the, the bad guys, the the non-Israelites, gather. That's the church word, right? You know this right. gathering as the people of God, the the God of Abraham. I mean, it's it almost feels like blasphemy the way that it's just so universal and evangelical in its thrust.
1: And so, what this tells uh, our listeners. What this tells uh, everybody is that um, anyone and everyone can be grafted in uh, to the to the plant that is God's planting, right? Um, that yeah. there is room in the kingdom of God uh, for even all of those ites from the Bible, like the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and all of those ites, right? There is room for you and me as well. Uh, God be praised for that, right? Isn't that good? Oh man, a- a-
0: Amen. and and, and maybe. If we, since we've kind of worked up some momentum here, this can help yeah. us make sense of the very last little bit here. Because it doesn't it stop there. <laughs> like, we, we could have just stopped it right there, right? The princes, the, the people's gather as the people of the God of Abraham. It's just like, wow, there's like the mind-blowing conclusion. But he keeps talking. Uh, and he says, For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. Now what do you make of that that this last line here? This is a really interesting conclusion. The shields of the earth belong to God. It's um I don't I don't recall this one actually showing up. Uh a, like, well I guess maybe there is like one uh, yeah, there's actually one other spot for our shield belongs to the Lord. That's in Psalm 89, yeah. where it's it's kind of there it kind of feels a little bit more natural, right? You know, it's kind of like my, my, my shield, my sword belongs to you, O king, right? Um but here it's the shields of the earth belong to God. that's that's a pretty unique way of putting it.
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's an interesting uh, idea, and it's the I, I, the image that comes into my mind um, is that there's protection, right? that God is protecting us uh, from all of the the terrifying things of this world, from all of the um, well, from isolation from him, right? Um, that we wouldn't have to fear, that we wouldn't have to, uh, to worry about what comes at us next, uh, because he is, he's here with us, right?
0: Uh, a- amen. And I think that actually, I, I think that, that that's right along the lines that I was thinking that, I, I mean, th- this, is, this is where if you're in exile and you're like, hey, look at all these foreign powers that are all around us. Well, hey, look, right. they're under the control of the one who has ascended. All the shields, namely the princes, who are, who are shields, right? Even if they don't acknowledge the true God, They are his instruments, and so we see the rule and the reign of Christ happen in our day, even especially when, perhaps, we look at all these different kings and governments and we're like, what is that? How godless is that? But yet God, Jesus Christ, is ruling right then, and he's blessing his people and all peoples um, in every moment. It is anno domini, the year of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, brother, all out of time. Um, yeah, I mean, funny how nine verses can just fill an hour so easily, but uh, wonderful psalm. Thank you so much for breaking it down for us today.
1: My great pleasure, brother.
0: Looking forward to hearing from you again soon. Everybody, that was Pastor Dustin Beck at Holy Cross in Warda, Texas. Until next time, everybody, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace.
1: You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.